The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You are live. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour Podcast. I am your host, Ricky Valera. On today's episode... Matt and I are going to explore the AFC and our predictions for the conference, talk about a little bit of some breaking news, talk about a little bets that I like, some over-unders heading into, and I might even highlight some week one early bets that I like. And then, of course, at the end of the show, we're going to have a little bit of a movie corner. As always, I'm joined by my partner here, Mr. Matthew Fox. How are you, bud? Doing good. I'm getting ready. We have our uh, draft party for my office. Uh, starts in uh, about an hour. You know, I have the trophy ready to uh, present. My wife picked out a trophy this year, a bunch of armchair quarterbacks. We got an armchair trophy, and uh, she's helping get decorated. We're going to have some lunch, and uh, hopefully I'll do better than last year. I was looking. We put up our board from last year so we can compare. My my top three draft picks last year, I thought it was going to rock it. I took Michael Thomas, then I got Chris Godwin and Cortland Sutton, and I thought no one's going to be able to touch my wide receivers, and that didn't work out. So I'm hoping for better luck this year. I have my my co-commissioner uh, who's going to be co-drafting with me, and she's – yeah, and as she just said, she's better. <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny. I like that a whole lot. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I um... – A week from yesterday, we are going to get live NFL football, and the countdown begins. You know what I mean? 17 consecutive regular season weeks. Matthew Fox and I on the grind with – Actually, it's 18 now. Oh, yeah. 18 – sorry. Yeah, I forgot about that. Well, I think 17 games – It's going to take a lot to get used to. It it really is. Well, the thing about it is, is like it's been very hard to really – hone in on some of the bets because I'm like, well, man, I really like that. Oh, wait, you got to factor in the extra game. So a 10 and seven, 11 and six season is likely now. So it's like, all right. So before, in my opinion, like, you know, you have a two, I feel like whenever I do my predictions, I try to be within one or two wins of what one or two wins or one or two losses of where I really feel like the trajectory is right. And some of the teams, I feel like when I predict them, I have them at like eight or nine wins, but I, I could, but some of them I could be like, I could really see them being a four or five win team. And that to me, but there's most of my pro- projections on my teams. Um, I'm really like, this is, I feel good about this in a one or two win window. But then whenever you're betting that, that one or two win window really is it's like, <laughs> so if there's like an over under of a team of like, um, like uh, the over under for the chiefs is like 11 and a half. Right. So I'm like, 
okay, so they're normally this, this, look at the schedule. Like if I feel like they're at 10 wins, then if I think that's a one or two window, then I feel like my, that 11 and a half, I'm going to stay away from it. So if I don't feel confident in that, that number, then I'm not going to go after it. So it's interesting. There says uh, come down then, because when we were looking at them, when I pulled Vegas odds um, for over under wins, Last week it was 12 and a half, and I thought that that was too rich for me. I took the under, um, but I don't feel good about it. But to me, I, I think they're right in that 12 they're win, in, but I wouldn't be shocked if they hit 13. So 11 and a half almost feels like a good smash over. So, okay, so they're, they're, they have the regular season wins, and then they have some alternative lines of which on the site where you can kind of go teeter back and forth. They're over, their actual regular season is 12 and a half, but they're um, – but I, I look at some of the alternative season wins, and their alternative season wins was at eleven and a half, which was something that I was I was kind of intrigued by, and I've teeter tottered with a lot. But with that being said, we've had some big news this week. Um, the biggest of them all was Mr. Mac Jones overtaking Cam Newton uh, for the job in New England. Um, I have talked, 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 talked about this until um, I'm blue in the face. Um, I love Mac Jones. I think the potential's there. I think the upside's there. I think fantasy-wise, the people around him. I am Jonu Smith to the moon now, baby. It's to the moon. Um, I believe in that. I, I really feel like that he gives them an opportunity to win now as well. I really do. This team... I really feel like they could be a sleeper team to kind of maybe be in the hunt for a wild card. I don't know if they're th- quite there yet because the defense, they have some secondary issues. Gilmore not playing, but Mac Jones makes them competitive, which I think going into the season, there was question marks around that. And that's nothing against Cam Newton. I just feel like people people discredit Mac Jones's swagger. I think he does have some swagger. He, I think it's just it doesn't exude like a Joe Burrow did. But I think Mac Jones didn't get enough credit for his fantastic season that he had a year ago. I don't know. My phone just randomly went off. But uh, what are your thoughts on the scenario? Um, I was a little surprised they released Cam Newton. I still thought he would start a couple of games at the beginning of the season and they'd ease Jones in there. But they they must have felt like they're ready to just see what happens. I am not sold they make the playoffs. I actually still have them just missing uh, the playoffs. I like Mac Jones for fantasy. I think he's still going to end up probably being in the low end QB two range. They have a couple of decent tight ends if they can stay healthy, but their wide receiver core is not incredible. Um, Nikhil Harry already slid to IR. They have Kendrick Bourne. Um, they have Jacoby Myers. I, we don't really truly know how good he is. He looked like the best Patriots receiver last year in a really tough passing situation. Nelson Aguilar uh, is their other guy. Then you have like Gunnar Olszewski. And I, so I don't think they've given him the most incredible set of weapons. I'm not sure about their defense totally bouncing back. They lost some people uh, both to retirement and to free agency that were institutional knowledge kind of guys. I like the Matthew Judon pickup. We'll see how they make that work. I think it's good for them. They got Kyle Van Noy back. Their offensive line is also still a little bit of a work in progress. They lost Joe Tooney. They lost a couple pieces. I think they will tend to run a little bit more of a conservative package 
advantage and try to win close games, um, which isn't a terrible idea. I think Mac Jones is going to be good. I don't know if we see the maximum of him this year, especially given some of the tools around him. Yeah, I really do feel like we're going to see a solid run of two tight end offense with a lot of running the football with some play action. I do think that they're going to try to get the ball out of his hands quick. We saw a little bit of that whenever that he was on the field during preseason. I do think that this type of offense is going to kind of stick with the Tom Brady-esque offense they had, you know what I mean? Not a lot of deep passes, not a lot of deep throws. They might try to open the field up here and there whenever they do a play action, but I do think that we're going to see a lot of 5-, 10-yard uh, throws, yeah, at maximum 15, 20-yard throws out of Mac Jones this year. Um, Ers- well, and that is kind of the receiving weapons they put around him. I mean, that does sure. seem like Kendrick Bourne, Myers, and – and I do think I, I, that Henry and and I do think Henry and Smith can line up wide as well. You know what I mean? They might not be the best, but I do think that they have the capability of of not a whole game, but a, a few times. Um, I'm really upset about the Irv Smith injury. It really sucks. This was Irv Smith's year. Um, my my opinion on Minnesota was very lukewarm. I don't think Irv really kind of changed it a whole lot. And obviously the bringing in of Chris Herndon here was, is really going to help them, but I just don't like this team this year. I don't know what it is. They might surprise me. They have weapons. As I I said before, they have big seven and 10 energy going on. Man, they really do. But you know, they also have that energy. Like they have that seven and 10 energy, but also wouldn't surprise me if they did what they did like last year and sneak it a nine and eight win season, snag the last wild card seed and then get blown out in the playoffs. Like, I feel like that's what their consistent motto, you know, motto is there in Minnesota. Um, I, I, I'm lukewarm about the entire thing. I had high hopes for Irv Smith. Chris Herndon is what the fourth option in that offense and that's not really good considering you have Kirk Cousins who yeah he can support two wide receivers and then of course you have Dalvin Cook but outside of that I really don't I feel like Herndon's going to be one of those guys where you start him the wrong week is going to be what he's going to be yeah that's the the thing so it was a real bummer about Irv Smith I liked him as a top 10 potential we've been waiting for him to get the solo op uh, mm-hmm. It reminds me a little bit, uh, I was telling somebody the other day, it reminds me a little bit of when Antonio Gates finally retired and we we're like, it's Hunter Henry's year. And then he tore his ACL and yep. you're like, okay, well, I guess Hunter Henry's year is going to have to wait. feels a little bit like that with Irv Smith. I think the difference I would think between, first of all, I'm not sold entirely that Herndon is the guy at tight end. I think he's going to have to learn the system. He's going to have to get worked in. They obviously like him enough that they wanted to create competition. But if you listen to Mike Zimmer talking about their depth chart beyond Irv Smith, he basically called it uninspiring. Um, but they, I think Tyler Conklin's going to play some. I think there's probably going to be some kind of a split there. I mean, last year, with even with Irv Smith, they were working in Kyle Rudolph. They're a team that likes to use multiple tight ends where I am not as bullish on Conklin and Herndon as I would have been on Irv Smith is it seemed like Irv Smith was getting some of the goal line and red zone targets that were going to Adam Thielen. I don't think that necessarily happens with bringing in new, new tight ends. So it's probably a bump for if for anyone for Adam Thielen who could end up putting up another one of those. He only gets 750 yards receiving, but he gets 10 touchdowns and ends up being a borderline wide receiver one. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. Um, Trey Lance, finger injury. He's got a he's got a salt and vinegar chip in his pinky or something like that. I, I don't know what it is. Um, I, I really don't. 
I don't really know how to deal with this scenario. I don't I don't know if it's a made up um you know injury or I, I don't know what well, it's, it's gotta be his not but... throwing hand, right? Because if you had a bone chip in your throwing hand, I think they'd be you'd be more cautious and they'd be saying longer than a week before he returns. I'm guessing it's gotta be a small bone chip in his non throwing hand. Because they have a lot invested in Trey Lance to throw him out there if he's injured. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you as well. I mean, I, I do think that they will play it safe with him, kind of see what Jimmy Jimmy G does the first couple of weeks. I did like the idea of what they were doing with the the changing out of quarterbacks. It'll be interesting to see if he tries that in the middle of the game. I think they're going to keep I would, that. I do, th- I do think so as well. I do think that if they get in the red zone, they really could utilize Lance's legs to kind of make a play, you know, down the field. It wouldn't surprise me if they, if they did that more often during the season. But, I mean, so, I, I really don't feel like Trey Lance – unless he has the full starting job, has a whole lot of value right now. Well, that's what I was going to say. For fantasy, I think that submarines both of them. You know, I think quarterback 32 to 34 for both of them because they're going to end up splitting and they're going to end up, you know, 49ers weren't a high-volume quarterback position to begin with. So if a guy is only going to get 20 points, now it's going to be split between two guys. You're talking about two quarterbacks getting you 10. That's that's not somebody you're starting. It will probably be innovative for NFL terms, but yeah. not for fantasy. Yeah, absolutely not. And that's what concerns me about Jameis Winston because Jameis Winston's if they took Drew Brees off the field for Taysom Hill, then – I definitely know that they're going to take James Winston off the field for Jason Hill. But um, what happens with Deshaun Watson? I, I as as we've heard the reports, uh, every team's trading for him. Every team's close to trading for him, but nobody has traded for him yet. Um, I did like Flores's comment, but I did think that it was still open ended in some aspects. Like Tua's our guy right now. Like you know, he it was a vote of confidence to say Tua's our guy, but at the same time, I don't think it was like a, it was a Tua's our guy long term. You know what I mean? Tua, they could have said he could have really said it in a different way that really really would have been like reassuring for Tua. But, I I almost think the way they put it is. Um, they considered whether they were going to make the trade and they're going to roll this season because there's still a lot of uncertainty with Watson, but I wouldn't rule it out in the off season. I'm I've, I've been all over the map with Watson. This has been the most difficult situation to handicap. And when he reported and was there at training camp, I thought, Oh, well, I guess he is going to play, but it seems like the Texans are committing to losing. I mean, they started a fire sale. I think they're trying to follow that plan. Uh, They probably saw what Miami did a couple of years ago where they weren't afraid to sell off big players for assets and weren't afraid to start losing to try to build toward the future. I think they want to be like 1-16, 0-17, and they're going to be happy to roll Tyrod Taylor or Davis Mills and to keep Watson as a healthy scratch. They're not going to cut him because you get no value back but I don't think they want to play him. And right now I don't think anyone feels super comfortable trading for him. Maybe mid season, if like a big time contender loses a quarterback and they're like, let's roll the dice. And Watson still hasn't been put on the exempt list. Maybe you see it there. I don't, I don't expect him to play a snap for the Houston's Texans. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't expect it to. I really like part of me wishes the resolution of this entire case would figure itself out. So we know what to do because it's one of those things where it's, it's, I don't hate the idea of people attempting to take a 
very, very late round pick on them and just kind of see where it goes. And if you have the roster spot now, somebody gets hurt, you throw them off the roster, et cetera, et cetera. But it is, you know, yeah, you know what I mean? It just, it is what it is. Yeah. I don't, I really don't know how to go any further. Into I mean, that. I saw people in Scott Fishbowl, which I know you were doing roll the dice and take them like the seventh or eighth round as their QB two, because they thought there was a chance and they've probably been waiting with bated breath. And it looks like that's unfortunately going to be a dice roll that won't pay off. Have you been hindered by any of the injuries for your Scott Fishbowl team? I, I was afraid uh, to look because, you know, Scott Fishwell, I think the first time we can run waivers, I believe, is Tuesday, right? Um, yeah. We get to do the waiver run. I went and looked, and fortunately, um, I took Drew Locke as my fourth quarterback, and he's not a starter, so that was kind of a bummer. And I had John Brown as a late-round pick because I thought he might have something with the Raiders. He was, if people didn't hear, he was released. Now there's talk he might get picked up by the Saints, so that might not end up being terrible. But other than that, I managed to survive pretty well. I saw somebody post that they had um, Dobbins and yeah, and Etienne, yeah, Akers, yeah, yeah. Uh, I survived the injuries as well. I, I was very pleased with that. I did end up with Mac Jones though. Um, I Mac Jones is my third quarterback because I've got yeah. Matt Ryan, Dak, and Mac. So that that to me that ended up kind of playing in my favor. I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of my team. Like I don't know is. It is what it is. I just, I, it's a great cause. It's a great cause. That's, that's all at the end of the day. If George Kittle can actually stay healthy for an entire season, I think my team could be good. But if I, you know, I gambled on him again because I wanted Waller, but Waller went like one pick in front of me. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do it again, George, please give me more than three. Cause last year, every time George Kittle played, I won my Scott Fishbowl matchup. Every time he was out of the lineup, I lost. Nice. Yeah, I'm interested because I've got uh, my team's pretty solid. I mean, I got Dak, I got Eckler, I've got Stefan Diggs, I got Adam Thielen, Robert Woods. I've got a decent little team. But enough about the Scott Fishbowl team. We're going to go into our AFC predictions like we did last week. Mr. Fox, I want you to give us your four division winners. Yep. So my division winners uh, winning the AFC East as my number one seed, the Buffalo Bills. Winning the AFC West, my number two seed, the Kansas City Chiefs. Winning the AFC North, my number three seed, the Cleveland Browns. And winning the AFC South, my number four seed, the Tennessee Titans. So I know at least two of those you won't be happy about. All right. So for me, my number one seed is the Buffalo Bills. My number two seed is the Kansas City Chiefs. My number three seed is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And my number four seed is the Colts. Now, I went back and forth with the, the Colts and the Titans. It was a it was an interesting battle. Um, I think what, what kind of came to a head for me with Indianapolis was their last three games. So I did their I like to look at the last three games of the schedule and last even four. Colts end with New England, Arizona. They got Las Vegas and then Jacksonville. I think that's it's kind of nice. But the Titans do face Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Miami, Houston. I could easily see them go one and three on that trip, and even two and two. But I do think that that it's going to be a one or it, it depends on when's playing, when's is playing. But I my biggest problem with the Titans is their defense. They play, their their schedule's not super hard, but they start the season. Arizona, Seattle, Indianapolis. And then, of course, they get the Jets at New York. And then, of course, they play Jacksonville. But then they play Buffalo, Kansas City, 
Indianapolis, um, the Rams, like they start, they need to start very hot because if they don't, they're going to be in a lot of trouble because they, they, there's, they have a hard schedule period. I just feel like yeah. they have a hard schedule and they, and they don't have a hard schedule in terms of like light scoring teams where they could be competitive. They can't, they can't outscore Buffalo. They can't outscore Kansas city. Indianapolis is still a question mark. They're not going to outscore the Rams. And I think the Saints might give them a run for their money just offensively. Like if you can score points, I feel like you can be in those teams. And I know that the, the, the Titans will score points too. That I, was, so that was a little bit of my um, concern with the Colts because I don't think they're entirely healthy. Uh, you know, T.Y. Hilton may not have had a ton left, but he was experienced and gave them a weapon. He went on IR. He has that neck thing. I don't know 100% how, uh, how Wentz is, how, um, how their line is. And they open with Seahawks, Rams. Then they're at the Titans, at the Dolphins, at the Ravens. They get a home game against the Texans, which should be good. But then they're at the 49ers. I could easily see them only winning one or two of the first seven games. And I think that puts them a little bit behind, which is where I, when I did the predictor going out, I have them ending up nine and eight. I don't think it's a big spread between them and Tennessee, but I give the edge to Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones. I think Julio Jones gives them another dimension on offense. They do look like they improve their defense some. I don't think it's great. And that's why I still think whoever wins the South ends up being the lowest of the division winners. Oh, absolutely. I uh, I tossed and turned with a – with uh, some of my 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 final my final uh, you know Pittsburgh winning the division is one of those ones that I'm kind of uh, I I don't even have them in the playoffs. Yeah, I noticed that. I was looking at that. I, I struggled. It was either going to be Pittsburgh or Baltimore. I went back and forth on who I thought was going to. I just I feel like there's a lot of hype around the Browns, but I just don't buy the Browns. I mean, I still have them as a playoff team. I do, and I do. And the thing about it is the 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 Colt the, this. The Bills and the Steelers, and the Bills and the Chiefs are set above apart, right? You know what I mean. And I really feel like the third best team is is the Chargers. I really feel like the thir- they're the third best team in the entire conference. I, I really I believe that. And then after that, I think I, I have everybody within one game of each other. So the Colts and Titans. I had the Colts winning one more game than the Titans. I have the Chargers. I mean the uh, Steelers winning one more game than the Browns. That to me is what the difference between all these guys are. And the the, the I struggle with the playoff teams too because. It's just yeah. I don't. But, I see you don't even have the Chargers in the playoffs, which is just no. really. I have, a lot of, I have a lot. I didn't of realize charity. this until now. I really might just quit. I might quit the show right now because I realize yeah. that you do not have the Chargers in the playoffs, and and it's Bruning's I'm not just, very happy with me either because he he picked uh, yesterday. Uh, he said he thinks Herbert's going to win MVP. Um, I I like all these teams. To me, it came down to looking at schedules. So the NFC West and the AFC West, I have all four teams over 500, but I think because all four teams have a decent talent on their roster, they damage each other. And it's hard, you know, you can do pretty well in your non-conference down the stretch. So look at this. I mean, the, the chargers play at Denver. That's a win. They play Cincinnati, the giants. Of course they play KC, but Houston, Denver, Las Vegas. I mean, that's, that's, they probably win five, maybe five of the seven games to end the season. I, oh man, I'm really upset. I just, I might just quit the podcast right now. This, is, I mean, this podcast is no more. Your Justin Herbert slander is not allowed. I had, uh, so that's the thing. I had a lot of parody in 
the AFC, and then that's where I ended up with a lot of teams kind of right around 500. The way it selects, um, I use that playoff predictor I told you. So it works out the tiebreakers based on how you pick the schedule. Because I had a whole log jam of teams around 9 and 8, 10 and 7. Um, but apparently, if if it worked out the way I picked it, these are the tiebreakers, and I just I had them missing. I have Denver missing too. I think they're going to be a decent, um, you know, right around nine and eight. I think you're not going to like my bets later, then, Mister Fox. No, I think All right. the big difference, though, I seem to be giving the Raiders more credit than everyone else. I don't know how, in this point in my life as a Denver fan, I got to be uh, the guy that was giving the Raiders a break. The, the West does have the easiest schedule in football this year, though. They really do. The entire West have really t- a cupcake schedules. Um, with that being said, uh, give me your wild card teams followed by your AFC. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply championship teams with your winner so for me i have the uh miami dolphins uh as fifth seed wild card getting in there um i like them to take a little step forward they were 10 and 6 last year i think they went 10 again and get in uh i have baltimore in there and then i had the colts so i actually did have two teams from you know, I think the Colts and Titans can both make it. I just think they're going to be really tight, and I picked the Titans to finish a little bit higher. Um, my AFC championship, I had the Bills and the um, Browns with uh, the Bills advancing to the Super Bowl to play. If you remember, I picked the Cowboys, which means apparently I'm, got, I'm in a 1992 state of mind. Yeah, when I was looking at my playoff teams, I kind of narrowed it down to that. I like looking at the last four games of the season. I think that the Saints, Tennessee, New England for Miami is really going to nip them in the bud. I really think that hurts them. I personally think that the Miami Dolphins finished third place in the division. I, I, I'm not a big fan of Tua. I don't believe in Tua, and I won't believe in Tua. Prove me wrong, and we'll move on with my life. Um, I feel like they could have been a better team last year if they would have just kept Fitz back there for the entire year. Um, they probably would have been a playoff team. Um, with that being said, I've got Chargers at five, Browns, and Titans that round up my playoff teams. Um, I, I'm not the AFC is a crapshoot outside the top two teams. Um, and like I said, I think the Chargers are the third best team in the conference. I went back and forth with my Super Bowl pick. I really feel like the Bills and the Chiefs just stand out. It's just hard. To, to see, to envision anybody else. And if we have a Bills and Chiefs championship game, the Bills just can make a stop on defense. And, and we've noticed 
that's what you have to do against a team like Kansas City. I think Kansas City really needs to run the ball a little bit more than they do. And I think Andy Reid has an issue with understanding that. And I understand Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in football. He's not the best. I don't care what anybody says. He's not the best. So go throw off a bridge if you think he is. But with that being said, Mahomes is one of the best in the league. And I understand wanting to utilize him and understand wanting to have him with the ball. But you've got to run the football. You've got to take time off the clock, especially with their defense. They've got an okay defense. But – New England are not New England. Tampa Bay exposed them a little bit in the Super Bowl. And and you're not gonna stop. You're not gonna stop Tyreek and and Kelsey. One of them's going to do their thing. But if you can kind of hone in on one of those guys, you're better off doing it. And but they have to run the football. They have to. And that to me, and the Bills, can they run the football? We don't know. But I do think they have. I think the Chiefs can run the football if they let Clyde Edwards Hilaire run the ball. I just think the Bills are more inclined and the Bills have a better defense. And that's why I'm going with the Bills in the AFC Championship game. Um, I don't remember who I put in the Super Bowl last week. So there's that. So, I'm pretty sure you put Tampa again. Did I put Tampa? I don't remember. I've slept since then. So I don't even remember. Um, I had it written down somewhere. I, oh, I don't you, even put, know. you put the Rams. Sorry. I did put the Rams. So I have the Rams and the Bills in the Super Bowl. That's what it was. I wanted to go a little bit different. I wanted to put the – yeah. Right. All right. Steph. I, I actually, do. Uh, when I was doing my award predictions today, I, I do like Stafford's situation. I think he, he can win MVP. I agree with that as well, especially with Akers down. All right. With that being said, we're going to transition over to some bets that I like this year. There's a couple of them that I like. I like the Browns under 10 and a half. I'm not betting it super heavy, but I like it enough. I think this I think this division beats up on each other a whole lot. This is where it gets a little sketchy. I wouldn't say throw the weight at it, throw the farm at it, because I do feel like they are a nine or ten win team. And with that, obviously all they have to do is if they finish with ten, that under ten and a half is good. I like the Ravens under ten as well. Um I again I do think that all these all three of those teams finish ten with nine or ten wins. Um, I like the Jaguars over six and a half. This one's got a little bit of juice on it. It's plus 120. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm insane by saying this. But if I looked at the schedule, I do think that they could really hone in and get some wins. I do have them potentially winning seven to eight games. Um, I just think Trevor Lawrence is that good, and I do think they can score some points. I wouldn't go and bet the farm. This is one I am betting the farm on. I I like both of these a whole, whole lot. And that's the Broncos under eight and a half at plus 120. And then, of course, if once the juice is there, I do love them a little bit more under that, too, as well. The alternative under is seven and a half, and you can get it at plus 190. And I love it. I love it. I don't think the Broncos win more than five games this year. I, I just do. I think they're by far the worst team in the division. And that's and I just think offensively they're going to be terrible this year. And it sucks because I love their offensive pieces. They just don't have a quarterback. And Matthew Fox might kill me. For every reason I was going to quit for picking on the Chargers is going to be the reason he picks for the Broncos. But No, I I have a really hard time when it comes to Denver because, you know, I'm not incredibly proud of the um, moves that they've made this offseason. I question some of the direction they're going. I, but I like 
some of their defensive talent, I don't think it's a high bar for them to end up finishing 500 because they have kind of a soft schedule. Well, you but, can't finish 500 anymore. Well, so. just a little bit over. <laughs> but that being said, I wouldn't be shocked if you're right and they bomb out. I mean, it's going to be massive depression at my house on Sundays, but I wouldn't be surprised. I have them at solid six wins. Now, do I think that they could get to seven? Yes, easily, because they do have a weak schedule. Their, their schedule is rather weak. It, the West just has an easy schedule this year. They do. The entire the entire West does. But I just don't believe in that team. I don't believe in their quarterback. Either one of their quarterbacks, I believe in them. The, the thing about it is I like the under a lot more since they named Teddy Bridgewater the quarterback than I did Drew Luck because Luck – Larkis scares you a little bit. He reminds you of the early days of Brett Favre, but don't calm down guys. I'm not saying he's Brett Favre. He's a bit of a nut job. I think he just, there's a couple screws loose up there. And I just feel like he's that type of quarterback that can go out there and, and win some games with his swagger, but and with the pieces they have. But for me, I just don't see it. I think the Broncos are just going to be run of the mill this year. I do like the juice on the chiefs under 11 and a half. It's plus 145. I'm not betting a lot on it. Um, the thing about it is the over-unders is you're, it really takes somebody that bets a lot to really bet on these because you're tying up potentially however much dollars you put into your over-unders for 18 weeks is really what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, there's some teams that if you're at, you know, eight or nine wins, then, you know, you're really pushing that button unless the team starts off like, oh, win 10 or something, you know what I mean? You're really pushing the buttons there, but I really love of all of my bets this week that I really kind of honed in on. I love the juice of plus one ninety with the Broncos under seven and a half. I like it a whole lot. It's sexy. It's beautiful, and I just don't buy in that team at all. Um, with that being said, um, as far as all of our sports stuff goes, that's going to be a wrap. Make sure to head on over to the Music City Drive-in. We've got all the team previews launching up until kickoff. Thirty-two teams. We've covered them all. Um, we've got a playoff prediction piece coming with all of our sports writers in the very near future. I think that's going to be fun. We're going to give out the MVP. We're going to give out coach of the year. And we're going to give out a few other things that Matthew Fox told me about that he keeps yelling at me about because I haven't turned my picks in yet. Yeah, that um, one actually, that'll go on Sunday. And then playoff predictions from our staff will go on Labor Day Monday to wrap up 35 consecutive days of NFL previews. And we've got a lot of NFL content coming for you guys throughout the season. It's going to be pumping out multiple articles, especially Mr. Fox over here pumps out at least three a week. And then, of course, we actually – the difference between last year and this year, we've got a staff this year that's that's got some consistent pieces that are going to come out weekly. Um, we're going to be here every Friday talking um, the games. We're going to be talking picks. We're going to be talking bets. We're going to talk DFS. I've already got to look ahead. I'm excited because I get to hone right into my DFS picks next week. It's going to be kind of something that we hone in on each and every week. But with that being said, if you want to press the pause button, you, you've listened to all the sports that you want to listen to, that's fine. We're going to drop into our movie corner right now. And we're going to talk about a couple of films that we both already, already seen. One that I've seen that Mr. Fox has seen tonight. But uh, lots of new movies this week that, to, that can be seen. Um, the first of two are... Not exactly your prototypical uh, football fans. Probably going to reach out to watch these this weekend, but um, <laughs> at all. So if we if we had people questioning whether whether or not or why they were listening to this podcast after we talk about these two movies, Afterlife of the Party and Cinderella, they really will never listen to this podcast ever again. But two hey, films. You never know. There might have been people tuning in that were borderline whether they cared about football, and now we've hit the hit the prime with Cinderella. 
We did. We've we've hit the the peak of Cinderella. Afterlife of the Party is one of the most frustrating movies that I saw this year because Amen. about forty five minutes in, I was like, "Oh, cool! Third week in a row, Netflix has dropped the movie, and I wanted to drop my face on just smash it on the ground." Because we had Sweet Girl, which was a disaster of a movie. He's all that, which was a disaster of a movie. And then, of course, this week I was like, Afterlife of the Party. I was like, I was not, and I saw Afterlife of the Party earlier in the week this week because I got the screener of it. But it's not bad. It's it, the first forty-five minutes is like I hate this good. movie, and then the second half of the movie, I'm just like, this is good. So it's possible that it's poorly written. Um, yes, but in saying that they hit a stride in the character construction and writing in the middle and latter stages of the film that is really good. So I was with you in the first 15 minutes. I thought, well, I'm just, I can almost just safely write my one star review now and move on. But then you get to kind of the soft, you know, the heart of the film, Victoria justice, I thought did some, some nice, acting uh i can't remember the name of the girl that plays her friend was very good as well but there's oh, a I love scene, there's a scene where they're singing um with adam i think it's adam garcia who plays her father i it was incredibly moving so it went you know and at that point you're like is this five star movie but then you remember the beginning so i settled on three i actually thought it was watchable um i thought it was much more engaging than i expected with the premise in the beginning but i'm with you it was a frustrating from that standpoint of it was wildly uneven yeah midori uh francis was her name i loved her i thought she i thought she was really the heart of the second half of the film that really kind of made it i thought victoria justice was fine I, i think that she played well enough in the role to make me Kind of care, but I, I do. My biggest issue, and I said this in my review, was Adam Garcia looked like she, she he was Victoria Justice's older brother, not her father. Like he just looked like a late, very early thirties. And I understand very early thirties now. You know what? He looked very early thirties when he did Coyote Ugly twenty years ago. So I bet <laughs> that dude is actually closer to age appropriate. Uh, he just says then he looks really he was well. born in 73. He was Piper Parabu's love interest in Coyote Ugly. That's so what I was looking at him. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Is he almost – he's 48? I told you I, he's probably pretty close to 50. Some people just age well. He's 48 uh, not, years old? Not, not this person, but some people. Yeah. Wait a minute. He's, he looks like he, he legitimately looked like he could have been her older brother in this movie. Yeah. I just – I'm just, I don't even know. Also, I didn't realize until you just said it that that was who played Piper Barrow's uh, boyfriend. And um, he's always been, I mean, he's always been a good looking dude because he was a good looking dude in Coyote Ugly. I remember, I, I love that movie so much. I could I could talk about Coyote Ugly and Tom Blue. I love that movie. Well, maybe so we should bad. do some rewind films when we, on slow weeks uh, coming up here because I like that one too. I need to rewatch it before I have thoughts. But yeah. so every time, every once in a while, Leanne Rhymes music comes on because I listen to the best of the 2000s uh, radio. Yeah. Hilarious. And, you know, you know, I can't fight the moonlight when I'm driving either. Oh, my God. Absolutely. I'm, I'm blessed. And speaking of singing movies, musical, the uh, brand new Cinderella dropped and it was met with a lot of very, 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 very bad reviews. And I saw the movie, I don't know, like a week and a half ago. And when I went into the movie, I had there's there's zero expectation, and then there's below zero expectation. So like it's all the way down here, 
I threw it on to have just kind of background noise. I was going to review the movie. I was like, man, what is this about? Um, and then I watched it and I'm watching it and I'm watching it. And then you start hearing some songs, you know, and then you start kind of vibing with the vibe. And then you're like, holy shit, this is good. Like, and the thing about it is, is it a great movie? Absolutely not. But is it a fun, refreshing, different, unique take on a story that we've seen a thousand times? Kay Cannon could have really just wrote another Cinderella movie and it could have been just about with a different princess and the same premise. But instead, she takes this unique, creative way to breathe a fresh air into a story we've seen a thousand times. I loved it. I loved it. I really, really loved it. And you had to have loved it because I know how you feel about James Corden. He was a co-writer and a co-star and you still gave it four stars. So, I mean, that I, should tell people right now how good the rest of it is. I think, so Kay Cannon, um, Pitch Perfect. She wrote New Girls. She did Blockers. It's very much in that style. I I put in my thoughts, I, it feels like the pitch perfect version of Cinderella. And I mean that in the best possible way. They use a lot of fun songs. I thought the music was kicking. I thought the choices were really fantastic. Good. Very fun. Um, you know, they had a few of them that reminded me of some of the big power ballads in Glee. They have the Dina Menzel is in there. Um, or Pierce Brosnan was awesome. Brosnan. Um, he was great. Driver. You know who yes. we've not seen in a minute. My my wife liked it pretty well. She didn't care for Billy Porter, um, but I think that's a kind of an acquired style. Uh, you yeah. I really liked him. I liked him. Yeah. I don't remember being. I I had to look up Camila Cabello's songs because I I've heard the name but I couldn't pin one to him. I thought she was very delightful in the lead role. I had a lot of fun too. I gave it three and a half stars, which if you, you know me and my conservative star doling out, that's, uh, I, you know, so it may not have appealed to the masses, but it appealed to these uh, two uh, middle-aged white guys that like football. <laughs> so, you know, Kay, it's, I don't know what your target demo is, but you made it here. It's crazy. So I realized, um, I realized when I was writing my review, I realized Kay and I are friends on Facebook. I've known, I like, We've, we know people in our inner circles together. And I was like talking to her. I was just, it kind of blows my mind. It's like, I, I think I, what. I don't know about you. I Pitch Perfect is an all time. For me, it's going to be. Oh, I love Pitch uh, Perfect. Next year, I'm going to go through my top 50 of all time revised. It's it's in there. I loved New Girl. I like that style. So. Yeah, I thought it was good. And again, like when we see movies, like you see the movies that get redone. You had a lot, which I like the new Aladdin. I liked it a whole lot, actually. But you see, they're they're typically normal, the same cookie cutter movies, same story. Even the Cinderella that came out a couple years ago, I really liked that one. I was a big fan of that. But it's that same cookie cutter story that you hear over and over and over again. Like you watch The Lion King, like it was a piece of garbage. But when you watch The Lion King, it was almost the same movie, except for it was kind of sort of live action. It was whatever. a John Favreau passion project. But come on, it just there's so many different things. But with this, it was like, oh, Cinderella, oh modernized music oh cool up-tempo music oh great solid performances like a lot of it was a lot of fun and, and it was changed, oh, last. you know for those that are thinking is this just the classic story it is and it isn't i mean it follows all the, yeah. of the classic story but it's also uh takes some characters twist in, in a right? different way um mm -hmm. looks at some different themes i thought that was a clever a clever take uh, if you I, if you enjoyed pitch perfect 
I think you're going to like this movie. And I do like the, the diff, like everybody kind of really in my head, like all of our main characters really had a good payoff. I really like that as well. I do think that it didn't end in the prototypical cookie cutter way. And that to me is the other thing that I really liked about what Kate Cannon did. It didn't end with Prince and Prince and Princess and the Prince Charming and all that whole thing. It kind of ended a little bit different and unique. And I really liked it. I'll be honest with you. I would watch another one. I would. I would I would watch another one of these movies. I don't know what the numbers are going to look like, obviously, because it was on Amazon. Uh, I know the budget was around 100. And they filmed this whole entire movie during the pandemic. Yeah. They filmed a lot of this movie during the pandemic, which is also kind of unique to see as well. But um, one funny story about the movie, I saw an interview with Pierce Brosnan and he said he insisted on getting a singing, uh, a singing thing in her, in, in, in the movie. So Kay wrote a little special yeah. thing for, so that because he could have a little is breakout it, uh, scene. There's some movie, they make jokes about him being um, a terrible singer. And I think that's because, is it he was in Mamma Mia, Mia where, yeah. uh, I mean, he's not the worst singer, but maybe. No. I he, do think he it's was funny. an excellent James Bond. We'll I do think it's hilarious that I saw one of Kay's posts where she talked about how she always has the one scene where, like, her characters, like, her main character's always running off. And, like, and, and Camila Camilla always said something that she's like, hey, are we going to have that scene? And then, like, that's one of the ending scenes is her kind of running off into the into the grass. But, um, all right, so before we go, uh, I saw Shang-Chi last night. I, um... Another film that I had very little expectations for. I am on the other side of, I think that this has been a very up and down year for Marvel. I didn't love WandaVision as much as everybody else did. I didn't, I truly did not like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I thought that was miserable. And I did love Loki. And I thought Black Widow was just okay at best. I really didn't love Black Widow. So I think it's been a very like, woohoo which is kind of strange because I really normally typically love um, Marvel Marvel stuff. But for me, Shang-Chi, we're back on the right trajectory. Um, I, I feel like I had some issues with the certain issues with the film, but as a collective whole, that movie works. I think that Samu Lu is brilliant. I, I cannot wait to see him in this universe. I can't see, wait to see what he does because he's phenomenal. Aquafina, she was fantastic in The Farewell. If you watch The Farewell, she was phenomenal in that movie. She was a lot of fun. But I loved it. I'm not going to say anything else about it. I can't wait for you to see it. I can't wait for you to give it like a D minus because... Uh, well, you, you know. and I have not, they have almost been entirely opposite. Like WandaVision's pretty close to the top five for me. I, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I will give you had moments of incredible frustration, but I thought there were some beautiful moments. I wasn't wow. as taken with Loki as other people. And I actually I like, I liked Black Widow more than you. So we've been on opposite trajectory. It'll be interesting to see if we can find any Marvel common ground. I do I think that, that you will. I think you will like, I will think you like, you you will like Shang-Chi. I really do. The key this weekend, though, if you're taking anything away from us, is if you're going into all of these movies with low expectations, same. You're going to love them. And, and apparently that's what's worked for this. I'm excited yeah. to see. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see Worth, too. The Netflix, I know you saw that one. I know it's going to be a uh, or one of the people on our site. I thought yeah, it was I didn't see reviewed it. it. Yeah, no, 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 Mike. I think <laughs> I, was like, um, I was pretty sure Miller 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 reviewed it. No, no, Miller reviewed it. Um, but you know, I know that one's uh, coming out for Netflix today about a guy who is tasked with assigning a dollar value to the loss of everyone from nine eleven. We are coming up on the twentieth anniversary. Oh my god! And um, I watched the documentary. 
Yeah. I watched a documentary on uh, Apple TV. The uh, the Apple TV documentary they with uh, they had they had all of them on there. They had George Bush. They had uh, I'm trying to remember who else they had, and they it was it's a it's really hard to raid rate certain documentaries but for me that one was was it's a, it's an interesting watch because it's in the minds of everybody that was involved with that situation so that's another fantastic one next week we've got some uh what do we have next week coming out um but it is, we have uh, week one and then i can't remember film wise september was not um in time uh, I don't know what happened with Matthew Fox. He is RIP'd, but the card counter comes out with next week. But with that being said, I just wanted to throw it out there. Oh, there he's back. He's back. He's back. He's back. Internet. It's all right. Oh, the card counter comes out next week. I'm very excited oh, yeah. about that. Uh, and then uh, Malignant. Malignant. Oh, Malignant. Yeah. I'll Malignant, yes. I might have, uh, if you watch that in advance, we might have, I might have seen that by the time we talk because I know that one's dropping on. Uh, HBO Max. I don't know if I I'm probably go to will the not theater see it. to see it. A little bit of a James Wan horror movie, though. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And then, then Come From Away mm-hmm. comes out on Apple TV Plus next Friday as well, ahead of 9-11 as well, which is a phenomenal Broadway play that they bring to life. Kind of is like that what it's did. about? I didn't know that's what it is. It's about 9-11. Yeah, it's about the story mm-hmm. of Newfoundland, Newfoundland and these people that all these grounded flights there was like 7000 i don't know it's a phenomenal movie or it's a broadway play brought to it's like a hamilton esque version but i really loved it i thought it was fantastic i got interviews with the cast coming out soon too not to plug that while we're here but with that being said we're out of here this week thank you guys so much for listening thank you for supporting the show again football season is here it is here it is here it is here and i can't talk enough about the fact that we're going to be bringing you so much content over at the music city driving. We've got a lot of stuff coming in the near future. I really do appreciate you listening and Matthew Fox and I will be back same time ish next week. We'll talk to you guys later. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.